safe press. Um, anyways, I do remember serving together with Vanessa, and she was a blast. I had so much fun. My young, that was my youngest son playing football with her senior. He was a sophomore, and he's 34 now. And um, he actually he's a helicopter pilot. Can you imagine for Mercy Air today? So um, he didn't stay in football. He ended up his senior year getting hurt. And um, but I still stayed feeding those boys. You know, we had to <laughs> we had to feed that big meal every Friday night before the games. But that's where we really um, connected. And then from there learned that she was here with Jeanette. But Vanessa's beautiful, and I don't want to cry because it's it's really hard standing here today and not seeing Jeanette and knowing um, where she's at. But I know that God is so merciful and his ways are bright, they're perfect. What we don't understand here, we will in heaven. And she left a great legacy and um, her and Vanessa have served side by side for so many years and she's um, she left you guys um, with in the best of hands. You're so privileged and blessed to have Vanessa serving you and, and the many others that are that are here. And so I just thank the Lord for for just being so gracious. And then she shared with me too, Vanessa, that she lost her husband and I'm like, oh my goodness. And I know for twenty you know, twenty twenty, it just I always tell people it was a year of loss. And um I lost people through death. We lost numerous people that never returned to church. Um, other types of losses. It was just, a, to me, it was a sad year, a very life-changing year. But there was a lot of grieving um, that, that went on. But here we are, 2022. You know, it felt like 2020 wasn't going to ever end. But it, it came and went. And so thank you for sharing or inviting me to, to be here. And so wasn't given a certain topic, so I'm going to share with you tonight. Um, it, uh, a, a, the title of it is The Church, a Dwelling Place, and a Showcase for the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to look at. So if we could pray once again, and I'll tell you, tell you where to go from there. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to be with these precious women here at Calvary Chapel of Upland. And Lord, you've ordained this night, and you know what your word will be that goes out, and I just pray that we all have open hearts to receive what you have for us. Lord, we need so much encouragement in these last days, and so may your Holy Spirit just have reign here this night, and I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you would start by turning to John chapter 16, and we're going to read some verses that will kind of set the pace for tonight. Um, and uh, yes, we will do that. And as Vanessa told you, I do have six grandchildren and I love them to death. How many of you are grandmas in here? Oh my gosh, that's like, that's the best thing. I, I, I wish I was a grandma and not a mother. I mean, it was just, <laughs> being a grandma is great. But um, anyways, so John chapter 16, if you're there, we're going to pick up at verse 5. And it says, but now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. 
And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Still, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth and he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you the things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take, take of mine and declare it to you. And so just as we look at that very briefly and move to another set of verses, we hear, we're, we're reminded that it's all about glorifying the Father. This is the, He sent us the Holy Spirit that the Father may be glorified in this place that we are here until we get to heaven. And we know that God in his deep grace and mercy not only saves us, but also changes us so that our lives may testify of him. It's not just for our gain, but it's that we may testify of him. And then the scripture says he helps us. He leads us, he guides us, he convicts us, and empowers us all along the way on this journey, again, that God may be glorified. And then if you turn to Acts chapter 1, we read here um, in these verses, too many pages over, it says in verses 4 through 8, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said, said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so here we are reminded that we are to be those witnesses all the way um, to the end. And the key word, a key word in this passage was that or phrase is that we will receive power. And it's when we receive the power, then we become those effective witnesses. Now to go over to chapter 2, you'll see how it all comes together soon in, in verses 1 through 4. And it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rush of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so fulfillment, the Holy Spirit came. And so we know that when our, when our Jesus, our Master, ascended into heaven, he continued to direct the church. Only now he would do so through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, as we know, continues to guide his people. Now we'll look at the response of the first sermon given under this great power, and that's over in chapter 2, same, same chapter, but at verse 37 uh, through 46, and it says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, 
Men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to all your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord will call. Then it goes on in verse 40. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received the word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. And so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So that was the response to this great message that Peter gave. And the church was birthed and has continued to multiply 2,000 plus years later throughout the world. How? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the last verse is we're going to look at, not the whole night, but for now, in, verse, in chapter 4, we see, when we turn here, the response uh, or, or, the, or what the first church looked like. So in chapter 4, verse 31 and 32, it says this, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word with boldness. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And I love that one because it really is that reminder that they were of one heart, and one soul, all because of Jesus, right? All because of Jesus. But they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Chuck Smith says this, the church exists as a result of the Holy Spirit. It was, his, it was he who gave birth to the body of Christ on the day of Pentecost when he poured out upon his disciples. Since that day, the Spirit has been at work in the church in a multitude of vital and mighty ways. Without the spirit in its midst, the church would be nothing more than a social club or a service organization. But when the spirit is given his proper place, the body of Christ becomes a dynamic force of change in a sick and dying world. I love what he said there. And when you think of that, is it any, is it any wonder why Satan so viciously attacks and tries to stop Christians from coming together as well as being unified. In 1982, the church that we were attending, our pastor asked my husband to start a home Bible study in Chino, California. It grew weekly and began to stay consistent with over 50 people. And in 1983, we were asked to turn this home Bible study into a church, but it didn't stay in, in Chino. It actually, every opportunity to open doors for a church landed in Rancho Cucamonga. And so we did, by the grace of God and the empowering of the Holy Spirit, who was calling my husband to tend the sheep. We were not Calvary Chapel when we first began. We were a very uh, hyper-Pentecostal church, but we loved Jesus, loved Jesus. Doctrine, there was, or theology, I should say, there was just some things off 
as you know, in hyper-Pentecostalism. But we loved Jesus, and so we went full force. And then it was in 1985 that the change took place, which again was a divine move of the Lord to change to Calvary Chapel Rancho Cucamonga. 39 years later, we are still going, but things are much different today. In the 1980s and in the 1990s, churches were springing up all over Southern California. The growth was huge. It was dynamic. Some churches turned into mega churches, thousands and thousands in attendance, and others were seeing the church exceed to hundreds. People were getting saved at almost every service, and if you were a part of that, you know it was beautiful and it was exciting. People arrived to church early to get a good seat, to hang out with the brothers and sisters before and after. Pastors were having to flip the lights, telling people, go home, go home. And they didn't even go home. They went to go eat somewhere. But to serve the Lord in any capacity was something that almost everybody wanted to do. Children's ministry never lacked. Imagine that. Young moms and dads gladly rotated each month because their children were in there after all, and they found it a joy to do so. Church services were offered on Sundays with at least two services, in some churches three and four. Sunday evenings, another service was offered, Wednesday services, and on other nights and mornings, other ministries were taking place. There was something seven days a week in most churches. Yes, there were problems too. I can't say it wasn't perfect in the midst of those exciting times, but overall, it was amazing and fruit was abounding. Most of us were just simply grateful that we were saved and we wanted to do anything to show our gratitude. As the mid-2000s rolled in, we began to see a slow change. For many people, church was not so exciting, nor was it needful. Serving was being, was putting, being put on the back burner while sports and other things began to steal hearts away. People came to church with an attitude of, what does the church have to offer me instead of what do I have to offer the church? Slowly, in, in most churches, we began to see the attendance decline. It wasn't as bad as COVID, but we were starting to see a decline. We weren't seeing the, the continual uh, huge growth. The love and want for the pure word of God was turning into a desire for a feel-good message to hold me over until the next time I come. People wanted to learn how to have a greater appreciation and love for themselves rather than a greater appreciation and love for the Lord. Social media has taught us well how to be self-absorbed instead of thinking more highly of others. Jesus just seemed to not be the central focus anymore. Now speed things up to 2020. The year COVID invaded our lives and churches shut down temporarily. Fear gripped the heart, not just of the people of this world, but the hearts of thousands and thousands of Christians. When churches reopened, many people never returned. Online services became the new way to attend church or churches. People did no longer had a home, home fellowship. It was multiple pastors that they were watching. Today, many have come to the conclusion that church in person just isn't necessary. Some blame it on COVID and, and can, but I think deep down for the majority, staying away has just become 
very comfortable, and now the norm. As a result, many have become lukewarm in their fervency for the Lord. They have lost their concern and need for the body of Christ and even more for the lost. So what do we do? We who are sitting here tonight and obviously don't fall into that category, hopefully, we pray for those people. And if given the opportunity, we encourage them. We don't treat them like they're, they're something you're not, not supposed to touch. But if we have opportunity, that's what we're called to do, is to encourage one another, to remind people they need fellowship. They need to be with the body of Christ. They need to return. And if you're here tonight and, we, and have fallen into this category, then you just simply need to repent and ask God to empower you through his Holy Spirit to get back to your first love. Revelation 2, 4, and 5 says, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. And I, I'm telling you, ladies, that is the goodness of our God, that it's so simple when we mess up, when we find our hearts have, have strayed, when we find that our, the, the, the excitement, the passion has disappeared. It's so simple. It's so simple. Lord, I'm, forgive me. I'm sorry. And immediately he forgives and immediately he empowers to go on to the next step. We don't have to keep beating ourselves up, but we move forward. But for us tonight, we need to hear and be reminded of the church being this dwelling place. It's a showcase for the Holy Spirit. We need to remember just what this means because Satan would like to see the churches lose their zeal and power and sit back and do nothing. We can get discouraged. We can look around going, where'd everybody go? We're just these, you know, every pastor, if they, if they have no pride, will admit we've all lost people and not just a handful, lots and lots of people have never returned back to church. And it can be discouraging or very discouraging. But he would like all Christians to watch online and never return to church again. And do you remember when everything shut down and you're going, oh, they said two weeks. Oh, they say four weeks. Oh, they say another month, another month, and another month. And I remember for every pastor, you know, you, you couldn't unite, in a sense, with pastors to make a decision. Every pastor really needed to seek God and follow his lead for the congregation that he was sitting in as to what to do. And a lot of people complained. A lot of people got mad at pastors and thought, why, aren't you, why are you closed? Why are you open? Why are you do this way? Why are you, you know, the whole thing. Instead of realizing that that moment when everything changed left our pastors in a very vulnerable place trying to figure out what do we do how do we navigate through this change that was very satanical as well um, behind what was going on we, we know we fight against the principalities of this air satan has a whole army out there that's working with our leaders trying to take us down a dark road. So we know that's, that's a given, whether it had been COVID or anything. But our pastors needed people to be praying. We know that 
or Satan knows how powerful the body of Christ is when they are united together. And that's why I read from Acts to remind you, look what happened to a body of believers who were so on fire and so united, they just exploded and were so powerful and many got, and many got saved. The church united together with great zeal and power and passion is able to turn the world upside right. And that's our job, ladies. That's what we're called to do. The early church allowed the Holy Spirit to direct where it should go and what it should do. He was in charge, and the Holy Spirit ordained and established leadership, and their angry opponents said, if you read in Acts 17, 6, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. They were, they were scared <laughs> what was happening with these believers. Can this be said of the church today and more personal of your church, the place that you have a part in? You cannot blame your pastor and the person sitting next to you. It all starts individually with each one of us in, our, in the church that we are in. You're not here to just fill a chair. It's much greater, and it's a great necessity that we fulfill our part and then get to experience the blessings of it. We need to give Jesus the preeminence in the church in his rightful place. It is his rightful place. Then we will see the power of God displayed through us. So now, as we look more specifically at the church being that dwelling place, I'm going to look at, a, at uh, four different things. One is, why, do we, why go to church? Okay. So Hebrews 10, 24, we go, we follow what God's word says, and let us consider one another to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. And that day has come, is approaching. We were not meant to be isolated. Never. God created us to have fellowship, first with him and then with others. It started with Adam and Eve. It said it's not good that man be alone. Animals weren't going to do it. And so he gave Adam Eve. And that goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. So it was not good for man to be alone. Isolation offers no opportunity to stir up love and good works. Isolation offers no opportunity to shine for Jesus. We need each other. Yes, you can shine when you're witnessing to people and living before them. But there's something about the light that shines when the church is gathered together in the community that God has placed us. In Matthew um, chapter 5, you know this scripture well. In verses 13 through 16, let me turn back one more page here. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We lose our flavor if we stay away, but to be together, but when we come together, we become the salt and the light of this dark and cold and evil world. And all that we do glorifies our God who loves us and saves us. 
It should be that with great joy that we choose to come together with the body of Christ to shine for the Lord. My husband and I, we live on a hill, and I love looking out at night at all the lights across the way. At Christmas time, as Christians, we put up lights, not just to decorate, at least I don't, but because it represents the light of Jesus. That's what Christmas is all about, the light of the world who came. And so some will love the light of Jesus, and some will be put out by it, right? And we've all experienced that. But either way, we are to continue to shine ever so brightly, and we will do so as we gather in his name. Also, church is needed because we need accountability. Vital that we have accountability. It is easy to slip away from the Lord when we have no one to hold us accountable. But with accountability, we are, we are pressed to keep moving forward in this wonderful walk with Jesus, all the while aiming to be more like him. Accountability. I love that I have sisters and brothers to press me on. Keep going. Don't give up. If you're discouraged, it's all right. We're right here, arm in arm. We're going to hold you up, and we're going to get you through. But don't stop. But if you're by yourself, who's going to do that for you? Sometimes we're not very good cheerleaders. And I know there's, there are situations where people have no choice. They, they have to be isolated for, for health reasons, not even to do with COVID. They're just, they're housebound, whatever, and don't hardly have anybody. God sustains them through. But if we're isolating by choice, then who do we have to lift us up when we need to be lifted up? And so second point is what should the church look like? And that comes from Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6, and it says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of, of peace. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. When you look at these passages, love should be the atmosphere. When people walk in the doors, that should be the atmosphere that they sense is love. And I did when I walked in here, when I started Seeing some of you and, and some, I was able to say hello, I immediately felt that atmosphere of love. Some of you might remember this. There was a song that we used to sing often in the, it, it was sung in the 70s and 80s, and holding hands, swaying back and forth, and it was, they will know we are Christians by our love. And here were the lyrics. Love, love, love. Christians, this is your call. Love your neighbor as yourself because God loves all. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord, is repetitious. And we pray that all unity may one day be restored, and they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. We will walk with each other. We will walk hand in hand. We will walk, we will walk with each other. We will walk hand in hand, and together we'll spread the news that God is in our land. And they'll know we are Christians by our love, 
right? And this is simple, 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 simple. But I love that. We will walk hand in hand. You know, we are an army for the Lord, and there can't be any openings for the enemy to come in. None of those fiery darts to come and, and put somebody out. We need to stand together united. The world has a saying right now when COVID started, we're in this together. Ladies, we're beyond the world. We are in this together in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are to walk hand in hand. The church has never been so divided as it is in 2020, 2021, and 2022. What God was calling for us to unite in and to stand with each other and show the world that we're not afraid, that we're different, and to minister to, to, to the, the people that are in the world that are afraid. But how do you minister to somebody if you're afraid? We don't need to fear anything in God. Death isn't our enemy. I mean, death is not an enemy to us. But we are to stand together so people can see we're united in Jesus Christ. We are to let the love of Christ flow from our hearts to others. True agape love cares about the family of God and doesn't just say it, but shows it. So many people just need to feel loved. It was so hard when we were told not to touch each other and to stay six feet apart. I don't know about you, but the first day we walked back into our building, I remember just kind of going, you know, you, your, your instinct is to reach out and hug, and then you're pulling back, and then somebody puts you a fist, you know, that, that you're supposed to knock, and it was just crazy, and everything in me, because it's our DNA as Christians, was to just give somebody a big bear hug and say, we're together again. We're together again. But that was hard. That, again, was a tool of the enemy, because six feet's not going to make a whole lot of difference. We know that. And I don't discount COVID. I've had it three times. It's a very real thing. But what they've been trying to do to just stop and stifle and put fear in each other. When I walked into the church that I got saved in, I wasn't saved when I first walked in, and I recognized something instantly. Now, as a non-believer, I was like, I don't know what it is. It feels good. I don't know what it is. And, and the greeter was hugging me, which felt a little funny, but, it was, but at the same time going, okay, this is good, though. And you just sensed it. But what I came to realize as time went on is that it was simply an overflow of their gratitude and appreciation for all that Jesus had done. They just couldn't help but to embrace. God's love just spilled out. And it's hard to contain, right? It's hard to withhold the love of God. In Ephesians 4, as we read, it says we are to walk worthy of the calling with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity. Jesus himself prayed in John 17 that we would keep the unity that he gave his life for. In the days of the early church, God didn't tolerate sin. Remember Ananias and Sapphira? I remember reading that, and I had a bad dream over that. But today, we are thankful for the grace of God. But the lesson in the lives of Ananias and Sapphira is that God requires us to walk holy because he is 
a holy God. And this is what Ephesians is reminding us. We are to walk in the spirit so that we do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And you know, I'll read it to you anyways, but you know this, what the, the fruit of the spirit looks like. And that's found in Galatians in the fifth chapter, verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love. What does love look like? Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Walking in the fruit of the Spirit is a picture of love. It is a picture of holiness. And we know the seriousness that God has for, for walking holy. And we find that in the book of, of Peter, in first, uh, the first chapter, in verse 15. But it, it says, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. We can only do it because of Jesus, his righteousness. We are clothed in his righteousness, his holiness. There's a beautiful song that, that we sing, Take My Life. And it says, Take My Life. Holiness, holiness is what I long for. Holiness is what I need. Holiness is what I want for me. For me. Take my life and form it. Take my mind, transform it. Take my will, conform it to yours, O Lord. Righteousness. Righteousness is what I long for. Righteousness is what I need. Righteousness is what, I, what you want from me. Purity. Purity is what I long for. Purity is what I need. Purity is what you want from me. And when the body of Christ comes together and lift our hearts together in unity, our songs become our prayers. When we sing those and we just... You're standing there, and you can't help but to say, it's my prayer, God. Here I am. I want to be holy. I want to be pure. I want to be filled with your love. And sometimes we just kind of sing songs, but so many of them should be our prayer from our heart that God would transform us and make us more like him. What a beautiful picture to see and hear hearts and voices crying out to God to answer our cry for holiness, purity, and righteousness, not just for ourselves, but so that we can be a showcase for the Holy Spirit of God to be seen. When love and holiness abound, then unity is kept and restored if needed. We are one in the Spirit. Don't forget this. If you have any ought against someone or know they have something against you, try to fix it. Do the best you can so that you don't hinder the light of Jesus shining through you. Don't let it infect your church and hinder the work of God wherever you go, because it will. Don't fool yourself in thinking that you can carry that and, and not let it be a, a hindrance to your life. In Ephesians chapter 7, or I mean chapter 4, where we were at, I want to finish reading a few passages there. In verse 7, it says here, it says, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captive, captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended, what does it mean? But he also descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens and earth that he might fulfill all things. And he gave himself some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saint, 
separate saints for the work of the ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. We come to church to be edified, to be exhorted, to be comforted. God has given us pastors given them the responsibility and, and anointing to nurture us in the faith. We're so thankful to have these men standing here week after week. We are blessed to have godly pastors who love us and tend to us. But that doesn't mean that we depend on them to feed us, right? We need to go do that ourselves. We need to be feeding ourselves to our own personal time, and that will safeguard us from receiving false teaching. Also, we are to ask the Holy Spirit to show us how to pray for our pastors and leaders. As I said, the church became so divided through COVID and, and still remains divided today. But we need to pray for them and support them and protect them when the enemy uses people to come against them and the work and ministry that God has called them to. If the enemy can bring the pastor and leaders down, the churches will suffer in a matter of time, and in a matter of time, so will the people. Never, and I say this with all my heart to you, never compare your pastor to anyone else. God made you the way you are. God made the pastor, Pastor Randy here, who he is. He made my husband who he is. He made the pastor in the church down the street who he is. We have no business comparing and saying, oh, you teach better here and you teach better there. Well, I think I want to go here because blah, blah, blah. If God calls you to a fellowship, keep your eyes on Jesus and let the word of God come out. Leave them alone. You don't like it if somebody compares you, right, or puts you down. I am telling you, because I'm married to, my, to the pastor of, of Calvary Rancho, people are outright cruel, awful in the things that they send anonymously and sometimes say to, the, to people's face and mostly upon exiting. It just, it, it breaks my heart, and I'm so thankful, and I know for Randy, it's happened here as well, and we are so thankful that when letters come at our church, one of our assistants takes them first, and he guards my husband whether he should read that letter or not. Number one, if it's anonymous, you throw it away. You throw it away. If somebody can't have it in them to, to come face to face, but we need to protect these men, they are up against major attack. And your pastor, physically, emotionally right now, you, I can't even imagine the depression battles that he must face with what he's going through. You need to be interceding so much for him. Each pastor is who he is. God created him with his personality and gave him his calling and gifting. And so don't forget to pray for them. The light of Jesus cannot shine brightly with hearts that are filled in the flesh. As I said, COVID brought so much division in the body of Christ. 
everybody's bickering against each other. It's terrible. A time when we need to be loving and supporting and encouraging. And so we need to, again, as I said, pray. And when, um, oh, and I already said that, never mind. So we are exhorted in Ephesians to keep going, to keep growing. That's the whole purpose. We come in church to grow up together. We're going to be maturing all the way to the end. And we need to lay aside the old nature. And it tells us in, in, in verse 16, from whom the whole body is joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. We all, you all, have something to offer. Calvary Chapel Upland, this, this is where you are, are, are coming to church. And when you do your part, it just helps us to shine for the Lord. Remember, the world says we're all in this together, but Christians, we are in this all together, serving Jesus with one aim, to, to glorify God. Thirdly, what should I be doing? Okay, and that's kind of what it leads into what I just said. Be useful in the church. It's home. Everybody has a part in your house, right? If whoever lives there has something they're supposed to do. But this is home. It's family all working together to glorify God. He gave us gifts to use, but not in our own strength. He gave us the empowering of the Holy Spirit to do so. If you read Romans 12, verses 3 through 8, it talks about the various giftings. But as we step out in faith and the empowering of the Holy Spirit, great things happen. The greatest is the house of God becomes a showcase for the Holy Spirit who always glorifies God. When non-believers walk into a spirit-filled church, they can surely say, God is in this place. In the year 2022, I am grieved to say that in churches everywhere, we seem to have this one thing in common. Few people want to serve anymore. People do not want to sacrifice their time and therefore refusing to use the gifts that God has given to them. When I go places today outside of the church, on almost every store, there is a sign that says, help needed. And because of the lack of help, many are overworked. That is the same happening within churches today. How sad, because we are being different. We really all have signs hanging up in here. You just don't quite see them. You might hear it from the pulpit, help needed, help needed, help needed. We really do need help because everybody else is overworked. And so we want to come alongside and do our part. So if you are here tonight, then please take it to the Lord and all these that change your heart. If you're just kind of sitting and going, I don't have anything to offer, you know what, I want to do it. Or if, if you've been a complainer, if you've been comparing your pastor, take it to the Lord. Don't let anything come between you. Because when we allow things that are not right in our hearts to be happening within the church where the Holy Spirit is to be that showcase, we create a power outage. Have you ever been in a power outage? Mm -hmm. But it happens in the church. Sin causes a power outage. It just, it might not go completely out, but the light of Jesus becomes just a flicker. One person. That's why I said we all have our place within the church to do our part and to keep our hearts right. And so, recapping tonight's teaching, God did not create us to be isolated we need each other. We need to be in fellowship. Psalm 133.1, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together 
in unity. Number two, looking at what a spirit-filled church should look like, remember love is to be the atmosphere. Love, love, love. Christians, this is your call. This is something that never changes when people see the church. Um, we always say we need to be relevant to the times. Well, love is always relevant, right? And then let any ought you might have go away and um, take care of it. Don't, again, cause that power outage. And number three, what should you be doing in the church? That you, this church here at Calvary Chapel of Upland would shine. Use your gifts. Don't sit on them. Don't sit on them. And if we do all these things, then I believe the world will say of us, these who have turned the world upside down have come here to Upland too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this wonderful opportunity to present this message to these precious women. And um, there's always a time for us to, to just need to be reminded, God, that your Holy Spirit is to be a showcase in this church. And why? Because your Holy Spirit always turns eyes to you, God. It's all about glorifying you. And we don't want to be a part of a power outage. We don't want to um, hinder that what you're doing. We want people to come, non-believers, to start coming into this building and seeing that love permeates here. There's something different. And as they hear your word, that they would realize that Jesus dwells in the hearts of these people. So, God, I pray that you would just touch these ladies let them be submissive to your will. And I want to lift up Pastor Randy to you right now. And once again, just lift this man knowing how weak he must feel and some days so helpless. I pray you strengthen him emotionally, physically, and spiritually, that he may carry on that which you've called him to do, not only to take care of his wife, but to take care of this church. And I pray for any lack that they have here, God, that you would fill those areas. You would bring in the servants that are needed. So, Lord, I thank you. Bless these ladies. Bless Vanessa. Just keep giving her the strength and vision to keep moving forward. And be with Jeanette, God. You know her days are numbered. And we're so thankful for the days that she was here. Lord, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.